This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Let me be clear. There is nothing that I love more than my kids. I mean, they're my whole world. They have completely taken over my heart. I still have so much space for my husband, but they just are like these precious little beings that have so much energy that are teaching me so much. And for as long as I can remember, I dreamed about being a mom and simultaneously, as much as I love them, as much as I love this role, it also feels really hard. It also feels really hard. Sometimes I feel like things are super streamlined. We're in the flow. Everything is going well. And other days it feels like my head is going to pop off trying to balance it all and keep laundry going while running a business, keeping everybody's emotions and hearts protected, (laughs) feeding everyone. Like, can we talk about the fact that feeding these little humans is a full-time job in and of itself? So today on the show, we're going to just table the fact that we all love our little people with our whole hearts and our whole bodies and our whole souls. And we're actually going to talk more about the challenges that come with this title of mom, this title of mother. I wrote out a list before this conversation occurred, and I took a moment to just think about some of the things that in moments past I've struggled with in this whole mom journey. Some of the things where either I felt like I wasn't doing enough or there was shame around it or... I was looking outward to figure out what other moms were doing. Really quickly, I came up with a list of like 50 things. And so I'm so excited to talk to today's guest about some of these things. She's the queen of real raw talk when it comes to motherhood. We're going to talk about things like keeping your house clean and planning the perfect little rooms for your kids, making lunches and snacks that are nutrient dense, wondering if you're spending enough time with them, wondering if you said the right thing. Thing to them, wondering if you disciplined them in the right way or if you've just screwed them up for the rest of your life. We're going to talk about changing relationships when all of a sudden your parents, anxiety, depression, feeling like you need a break sometimes. Like actually, sometimes I think about just booking a weekend where it would just be me alone. I could do a morning routine. <laughs> We're going to talk about all of the things that come into play with this journey of motherhood. Today's guest is the queen of normalizing the narrative of imperfect motherhood. She's absolutely hilarious. You have to go follow her on The Mom Room on Instagram. And she has her own podcast called The Mom Room Podcast. She actually finished her degree in psychology right before COVID hit. However, she's not working as a psychologist right now. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And instead, she is making all of us feel so much better about our own journey with motherhood. Renee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Now, you have one little babe. Yeah, he's almost, he'll be three in September. I feel like you are just this incredible space online for really real, fresh, raw, 
motherhood conversation. And you just have this ability of really allowing us to see like how much you enjoy it and love it and are here for it. But at the same time, like it's not always that pretty. Mm -mm. I want to just start off before we dive into all the things motherhood. I want to know a little bit about you before you were a mom. Yeah. So I am from Northern Ontario in Sudbury. Regular childhood, I would say. And then I got, I was super athletic my whole life. Played my first year university in the NCAA in Florida. Hated it. It was awful. (laughs) Loved (laughs) What was awful about it? I loved the team and I loved living in Florida. I was in Boca Raton, which is like the most beautiful place on earth, you know. It was just another level of athletics that I was never exposed to because in Canada, like, we're not paid to play sports. No. So there it was like you're on a full scholarship. Yeah. And so you felt like they had control over you and they did. Right. So it was, yeah, it was not good. So I came back home. And then the university in my hometown in Sudbury didn't have a volleyball team. So I just decided to focus on school. So I was in psychology. Then I did my master's, did my PhD, and then met my husband during my PhD. And then we had Milo in 2018. And then days before Toronto went into quarantine, I finished my PhD. And then it was like, congratulations, you finished your PhD. Now you're stuck in the house with your toddler and you can't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) But it also was like probably uh, a really incredible moment to connect with your amazing community that you've built. Yes. When did you start The Mom Room? When I had Milo, I switched over my Instagram name to The Mom Room. And I started a blog because after having Milo, I was on a 12-month maternity leave from my PhD program. And All these things that I did not expect to happen, like, you know, I thought I would, like you see in the movies, or it's like they have their baby, they come home from the hospital, visitors are coming in and out of the house, it's just like this big, like, happy thing. I didn't want any visitors for weeks, and so that was the first kind of thing where I was like, whoa, like, why do I feel this way? And then I think I wrote a big blog post about it, something about it's okay to say no to visitors after coming home from the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so many people messaged me saying they felt the exact same way, but they didn't want to say no to family members. They felt guilty. So they had, you know, raging postpartum anxiety or depression and, and they never spoke up about it. So Then I had postpartum anxiety, so I wrote about that. And all, like, postpartum recovery. I'm sorry, but nobody tells you how awful that is. And I was like... Nobody tells you about the diaper. The swelling. The the night sweats. And it's like, no wonder people don't want visitors. Like, you're recovering. You're also... You're emotionally all over the place. So, yeah, I just started writing on my blog about all these different things. And then about a year later, like once I finished school and Milo was back in daycare, then I really started focusing more so on Instagram and TikTok and started the podcast because I had nothing else to do because I was in quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that quarantine was happening because we get all of your amazing content and ideas and your candid conversation about all of these things. 
Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, Country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B A B B E L com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Over. So you graduated, you've got your PhD in psychology, which is amazing. Yep. Congratulations. Thanks. That is a massive accomplishment. Knowing what you know from like a research-based education standpoint, and then what you've experienced on TikTok and social media and this platform, what have you learned about motherhood and our need to connect with other moms and to share all of that good stuff. Something that I started to think about was how we like, you know how there's like best practice of everything. Like I couldn't believe how much information is just thrown at us, whether it's like social media, seeing what other people are doing, or, you know, you're Googling something because you're unsure, you can find different information on everything. And so the thing that I decided early on after becoming a mom was, okay, I am just going to do what works best for us. Because I think that's what we're all stressed about. Like we want to be perfect and do what's best for our kids, obviously. But nowadays, and I asked my mom about this too. I'm like, did you go through this? Like, did you experience this? Because she didn't grow up with social media or the internet. Like imagine that. I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't. Like, I can't even imagine the number of times that I have gone to Google yes. to try and figure something out as a mom. Mm -hmm. I was like, mom, did you feel like guilt? Did you like stress about all this stuff? Because even with the teeth brushing, she right. sees me struggling trying to brush Milo's teeth. And she's like, 
I don't remember going through this with you guys. And I'm like, because you probably barely brushed our teeth. Totally. I was going to say, she was probably like, well, this is not ideal. Let you go to bed and like, we'll deal with that later. Right? Yes. And so I think that's the biggest thing is that I've learned is you have to just do what works for you and be confident about those decisions that you've made. But at the same time, when you see another mom doing something that's different from how you do it, you also have to remember that as well. So like approaching other moms with empathy as opposed to trying to evaluate what they're doing and compare it to what you're doing. Oh, yeah. And giving empathy to yourself as well when you notice yeah. another mom's doing it differently doesn't mean that you need to be doing it differently too. Your way is is great as well and is working yeah. for your family. I love that you exactly. said that. Exactly. That's why someone, um, I don't know if you follow Kids Eat in Color. She's a nutritionist and she was saying something might be best practice on paper, but it doesn't mean that it's best practice for you. And I feel like best practice changes every two weeks in the world of motherhood. Like even between having my son and my daughter, the protocol that was given at the hospital around things like feeding and how to swaddle them and are we putting them on our back or our stomach, all of that completely changed between Mm -hmm. the kids. The amount of anxiety I had about my babies dying of SIDS because I put them to sleep in the wrong way was so extreme and yet it's always changing. It's always like there's always new information out there about what is best. And so it's taking all of that in, but then also really reflecting on what is going to work best for you. And every baby's different too. Yeah. People don't consider that, right? Like the baby, how like the mom's mental state, like when it comes to sleep training, we never did sleep training with Milo till he was 11 months. And it's not because I was against it. It's because I was so, I had such bad anxiety when he would cry. And I remember like my friends were doing sleep training and their kids were sleeping through the night. And I was like, wow, I wish I could do sleep training. (laughs) You know, there's so many different variables that you have to consider when we're choosing what we're going to do with our kids. I was exactly the same way. I'm curious to know a little bit about your experience with postpartum anxiety. That's something I went through too. What did that look like for you? So for me, I have been on anxiety medication for years. Mm -hmm. I started it in my master's program. My anxiety was very situational to school related things. So like presentations, big meetings. When I got pregnant, it was kind of like I had tried to go off of the anxiety meds a couple times and it just never ended well. I would be fine for a little while, but then... Anxiety would come back and not just situationally, it would be more generalized. So I went back on it. And then when I got pregnant, it was kind of like the option was up to me. Like you have to kind of weigh the positives and the negatives. And, you know, physicians were saying it's fine if you want to stay on them. So I decided to stay on it. And so in postpartum, I was on anti-anxiety medication and I still had bad anxiety for about two weeks. And I remember thinking like, wow, what if I wasn't even on this medication? Like, would it have been 10 times worse, you know? I'm sure not wanting visitors had something to do with it. Like, I just wanted to be alone. And if he was sleeping, I wanted to sleep. Like, I didn't want any kind of noise in the house or anything. But every single evening when the sun would start to go down, I would just start bawling like for about an hour, uncontrollable, felt like the world was ending, even though like 
you know, we were just sitting on the couch watching TV, Milo's sleeping in his bassinet, like there was nothing going on. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't explain it. And I, I would just tell my husband every night, I'm getting really anxious. And he would like, what do you do, right? He yeah. was like, oh. So I remember at one of Milo's early appointments, my doctor asked how I was doing. And it kind of took me off guard, right? Because you're there and they like measure every body part of the baby and you're just kind of sitting there. And I remember when she asked me how I was doing, like I just broke down into tears and I told her and she was like, it's incredibly common but if this continues after like the two week mark, then come back and then we can discuss if you want to go see someone or like other options. But luckily for me, after those two weeks, I'm sure my hormones kind of leveled out and yeah. it went away. But it was shocking and it was scary because the days going by and, you know, my mom would be over helping. And then as soon as we had dinner and my mom would leave, it was like, ugh, because I knew that that was coming. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I think so many women experience this, whether it's the course of a week or for some months on end. Yes. Mine was much more late onset and I felt fine and like, oh, I've got this and we already had a kid. This feels so much easier and I'm going to pop back to work right away. Like this is no big deal. And then just crashed and burned, but not until around eight months later. So yeah. then I was really like, what is wrong with me? This is when I get super into the Google. Like, is this normal? Am I having a breakdown? Where is all this anxiety coming from? And these intrusive thoughts and just, you know, it's something that can look so different for every single woman. And it's important to remember that postpartum can come into play even up to a year after having your baby or more. Yeah. I would, I would say there's no like, definite exact date as to when you're in the safety zone, right? Our our bodies are going through so much healing and our hormones are moving around so much and there's so many different things at play. So asking for help, you know, not being afraid of taking medication if that's what is being recommended and if that feels aligned for you, there's never any pressure around that. But I'm also passionate about talking about it because I struggled to go on it. I really mm -hmm. struggled to make that decision to go on it. Did you find it stressful at all deciding whether or not to stay on it for pregnancy or to go on it in the first place? So initially, I was trying to get it. Like my PhD is in psychology, you know, right. like I study psychotherapy. So you would think that I would choose the therapy option, right? But there was such a wait list to get in to see anyone. And I was ready to drop out of school. Right. So. And then at the same time, therapy is a lengthier treatment. You know, it can be 16 weeks or something. And I just wanted to feel better. So I made an appointment with my doctor at home. And this was over the Christmas break of my first semester in grad school. Dragged my mom to the appointment because I was bawling. Like I couldn't even talk. And I just asked him if I could go on that. And he was like, yep, like no problem. So I didn't have a problem going on it. And then I think once I noticed how much it improved my quality of life, it was like, this is a miracle. Like I had, I'm lucky. I know not everyone has that experience when they're looking for a medication that's going to work for them. But like I had zero side effects. Your days just feel so much lighter. Like I didn't have anxiety over things. Like it was just crazy. Even like little things, you know, if you're, 
in a mood and you're going through your day and you like stub your toe or hit your elbow and you like feel like almost like a rage feeling. Mm. That's like anxiety can present in that way as well. And so it just made my life so much better. And so after trying to go off of it a few times because I wasn't now in school doing the presentations and doing all that, then anxiety started to creep up in really random situations like going to the DMV to pick up my driver, my new driver's license. And I could barely talk to the lady at the desk, mm. like so random. And I was like, okay, I think I'm going to go back on. Like, there's no reason for me not to. So yeah, when it came to getting pregnant, I just dove into the research and there was really nothing that scared me to not be on it. So yeah. I just, we decided to just stay on it, especially because when you get pregnant and then in postpartum, you're so vulnerable to having anxiety and different, you know, ups and downs of emotions. So I was like, it's probably best to stay on it. So yeah, and I know a number of women who have and have had really positive experiences. One of my friends quickly talks openly about her experience with this. And I just think that the more people who are sharing what has worked for them, it doesn't mean that it's going to be right for you. Sometimes mm-hmm. you'll try one and it's not the right fit. Yeah, you've got to try again. So, you know, just really keeping that open mind that it's all it's all a journey. I wrote a list last night of I think things- I was I was reading it. Okay. Okay. Of things that I've felt insecure about as a mom and I wrote it really quickly, like fast and was kind of shocked at just how many things I have stressed about as a mom or put time into or have thought about. And I am curious to know which ones those of you who are listening right now can relate to. I want to know which ones you relate to or you've experienced yourself, Renee. And then if there's any that you would add to this list and like, maybe we can break some of them down as well. I just made a TikTok about normalizing kids' bedrooms looking like kids' bedrooms. And I saw that you had that on your list. And I was like, this is perfect because it's not really a big life-changing thing. But that really bothers me. Like It bothers me (laughs) that his room is just chaos. And it's not even like he has cute stuff. But his room just looks like a disaster. Like his bed is not in the center of the room like I want it to be because I want it against the wall to minimize him falling off of both sides. So there's that. His old crib mattress is next to his bed so that if he falls off the one side, he's on his crib mattress. So now there's that. (laughs) There's like animals and random toys all over the place. And then his one dresser that we decided to keep in his bedroom face like the drawers are facing the wall. (laughs) And people are like, why do you even have it in there then? And I'm like, well, because we put his monitor and the sound machine up on top of there so he can't get to them. Like, (laughs) it's just a disaster. Uh. And I'm like, how do people have these beautiful looking rooms out of a magazine? I don't understand. I know. And the amount of time and energy that you put into these darn kid rooms now because of what we see on Pinterest. And it is all inspiring and it's like beautiful and Mm -hmm. and cute, but... The reality of bringing that to life when you're basically like trying to keep within an Ikea budget, it's a challenge. I've had this goal of painting this big, dusty, rose, neutral colored rainbow that I saw on Pinterest on one of Brooklyn's walls. So I haven't hung up any 
pictures because I can't hang up the pictures until I paint the rainbow. But the reality is like, I don't actually want to paint the rainbow, nor do I have time to do this. So six months later, nothing has happened in her room. And yet what I'm shooting for is probably a really unrealistic (laughs) expectation of a Pinterest room created by a designer where this is what this particular blogger does for her career. It's not my career. A hundred percent. I mean, it's these little things. You said that you spent hours trying to pick the right bed for your son. And I was like, yes, yes. yes. And you know what else? This is so embarrassing, but I'm just going to say it. So Milo used to be obsessed with Toy Story. And before, like, I knew that he was changing into a big boy bed soon. And we moved into this house in November. So I was like, his room is going to be so nice. Like, I am just going all out. So I go to Pottery Barn and buy, they were over $200, a sheet set of Toy Story for my freaking toddler. Okay. Hey. I've never, my sheets come from Ikea. Okay. But I was like, he, he is going to have the cutest Pottery Barn bedroom, you know? And I ended up returning them. I like knocked some sense into myself. And you know what? Two weeks later, he was obsessed with dinosaurs and Toy Stories out <laughs> the window. Mom. So I... <laughs> I was like, thank God I brought those back. Can we talk about the overall cleanliness of a house and the pressure as a mom to like keep this Pinterest-worthy white house that is like beautiful, fresh flowers everywhere and everything's just those essential oil diffusers are on and there's never any clutter and everything is like color-wise so cohesive. I make a lot of TikToks about... I call it like things in our home that just make sense. And I go through like things in our home that are just, they don't make sense. And (laughs) we clearly have a toddler. (laughs) So like, for example, in this house, our formal dining room, which should be a formal dining room, is a playroom. So like there's a massive jungle gym in there with like all his like Ikea shelves with all his books and everything. This is the problem with open concept houses. Like, I have never wanted to live in a more closed concept house in my life since having a child because his toys, there's no, like, barrier for the toys. They're literally everywhere. But yeah, I think people really relate because I don't have, like, I wish I did have one of those really nice looking, like, Joanna Gaines farmhouse houses, but I don't. And I'm okay with it. I've had to just accept it because I came from living by myself in a really nice condo in downtown Ottawa where everything was perfect and I could clean it in 45 minutes, top to bottom. It was glorious. And now living in a house with a child and two Pomeranians, I don't want to spend my time doing that. Yeah. And that's what I always tell people. Like like you said, the the blog you saw with the rainbow and in the kid's room, that is their job. You know, some people, their job is literally home decor and, you know, home inspiration and all that. That is not where I want to put my time. I also don't put my time into making really fancy meals and snacks and baked home goods and all that stuff. Like, we just all have different things that we are good at. I'm good at, like, entertaining Milo and dancing and making funny videos with him and, you know, so... So yeah, my house is not, it's not very clean, so. (laughs) And it's not a knock against the people who are painting rainbows or doing the home-baked goods or any of that, but it's about, again, knowing your lane, like what lights you up as a mom. Mm -hmm. We can't do it all. Like we cannot do it all. You're 
what are your plans here in regards to work? Are you going to work as a psychologist or are you going to continue to build your platform and have these conversations and see where the road takes you? I'm working on a book. I want to do just keep doing the podcast, keep doing social media stuff. It's so funny because when I went to go defend my dissertation before I finished my PhD, I had like 20,000 followers or something on TikTok and it was just kind of like a joke. And my supervisor was like, oh, what are you going to do like now that you're finished? And I was like, ah, make TikToks. Like I was just totally kidding. And <laughs> now like, I literally <laughs> <laughs> now I literally make TikToks. So <laughs> yes. it's amazing though and so needed. And it really is aligned with your education, but just in a different way. It's just like you're communicating these messages in a current way. Okay, back to the shame stuff, because I'm enjoying this conversation and I love hearing all of your responses around this. Now, I don't know if you're at the stage where Milo's in preschool or daycare. He's in daycare. The other piece that I've sometimes felt shame around, especially being a health coach, is that there are days, more days than not, where the kids go to school or take their snacks and they're not these Pinterest perfect, super balanced meals. Like there are packaged granola bars and goldfish Mm -hmm. crackers involved. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just like a sandwich with mayonnaise and turkey and one piece of lettuce. And like, (laughs) so I'll have these moments where those fear-based thoughts slip in, like you should be doing a better job and like they should be eating more vegan or like, why didn't last night after they went to bed, you could have just whipped up some muffins. You know, Mm -hmm. all those people say it, it does really only take 10 minutes. It's not that long. And I just noticed that fear creeping in about something as small as their lunch or their snack. Yeah. When I was in grad school, my hobby was kind of reading about nutrition and watching like nutrition documentaries. And so I am very aware of, you know, like the amount of sugar and things. And Milo is a granola bar connoisseur. Like he loves <laughs> granolas. They all Every, are. Yeah. And My secret weapon is smoothies, I must say. Every once in a while, I make him a super healthy smoothie. He, like, drinks the whole thing. And I'm like, there you go. Like, he is getting nutrition. He also loves raw vegetables, so that's lucky. But I really try and focus on, like, macro as opposed to, oh, right now he's eating this donut that's full of sugar. Because like, that's life. I, my husband and I eat that way as well. Like I have pie, I have donuts. I don't restrict myself with anything. So he is also going to eat that way, but I need to let go of like, oh my God, he's having so much sugar right now. And so I try and focus on like, what has he had this week? Yes. Okay. He gobbled down salmon the other day. He had a smoothie that was full of spinach and like pea protein and whatever, whatever. He's good. Yeah, like totally. He's happy. (laughs) Like I'm happy. Like sometimes it's the middle of the afternoon and we sit down and put on a movie and eat chips and that's okay. Like he asks for something. Like sometimes I'll open the fridge and he's like, oh, can I have that? Even if it's right before dinner, I usually give it to him. Like it, it might be like a peach or whatever because... I don't like saying no to him if he's asking for food for some reason. And like I grew up and my dad's whole thing was always just eat until you're comfortable. And I was like, 
never thought anything of it. And, you know, he would come home from dinner meeting, like meeting work meetings and with like a piece of cheesecake for me. And it could be like a random date. Like we never had any rules about food. And I think that's really served me. And now as an adult, looking back on that, I'm like, wow, that was really a good way to grow up and build a relationship with food. So yeah, like the other day I gave Milo fruit snacks at 8 a.m. Because we were having the roughest morning ever. And I just wanted him to get in the car so that we could go to school and he would be happy. And so I gave him fruit snacks. And instead of beating myself up about it, I was like, oh, well, like it's never happened since. It was one situation. We're all happy. Nothing happened. It's fine. But, you know, I could have stressed about that all day and been like, "Uh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, my gosh. But it's not a big deal. Like in five days, is that going to matter? No. In five minutes, it's not going to matter. So absolutely not. Absolutely not. Your dad was so ahead of his time, by the way, because of all the women that I teach, I've never heard of a parent from like our parents' generation being like, just eat until you're comfortable. It was always eat until your plate's full. Like don't leave any food. Don't waste anything. Or don't eat sugar. We don't eat too many carbs. Don't eat now. We're just about to have dinner. Hold on to your appetite. Like there's just been so many rules. So go to your dad. I'm cheering him on. That is I know. So on that note, have you ever had body insecurity as a mom? No, not in the way that I think people think of it. Like I think people think appearance. Genetically, I have just always been like I'm six feet tall. I'm super thin. I've always been really thin. But I more so worry about my pelvic floor not being strong and like having long-term issues. I worry about like core strength because after having Milo, probably when he was about 18 months old, and it was funny because I was doing TikTok dances and I noticed that I leaked and I was like, oh my God, that happened to me? Right. I know about this stuff. I'm I doing my Kegels. What? I know. I was shocked. Like I was super in shape when I had Milo, but that doesn't matter. So anyways, then I went and saw the pelvic floor physio and I've just been learning a lot about that stuff. And I started to get uh, bad lower back pain and just kind of learning how that's all connected. Mm-hmm. And so many women suffer with these issues and just let it go, let it go. You know, it's not something that is standard healthcare practice, pelvic floor physio, which is wild. Hopefully that changes. But yeah, I was more so concerned about things like that as opposed to I look different or I don't look uh, how I want to look. Like I'm always, you know, if my jeans are tight, then I'm going to buy new jeans and that's okay. And move on. Yeah. Oh, so refreshing. I love it. Okay, two more things. Okay. I am not blank enough or am I doing blank enough? Am I reading to them enough? Mm. Am I spending enough time with them? Am I present enough? Am I, am I, am I, am I enough? What have you heard from your community in the mom room and in your own mind and experience with this dialogue around enoughness? It's funny that you said reading because I struggled with that as well because our bedtime routine is mostly right now it's watching Blippi and like that's our special little time to snuggle in bed and I used to feel really bad about it because everyone I saw online like their bedtime routine was sitting in a chair with no screen reading books and I was like oh like we don't do that but 
Now, instead, we read a little bit after we watch some blippy, so to try and balance it out. But I go through those thoughts as well, and I think that's normal. But at the end of the day, I think it's important when you are connecting with your child to be fully present. So I'm not on my phone, or if I am, I'm usually recording him and he thinks it's hilarious. But yeah, just trying to be fully present when we are together. So yeah, it's something that I struggle with too. And even like the daycare thing, you know, like I don't have a traditional job where I'm going into an office like my husband does, let's say. So I always struggled with that as well. Like, you know, should he be in daycare, even though he thrives in daycare? It's like the best thing ever. But things like that are not rational either. Rationally, I can understand that daycare is amazing. He developed so quickly after attending daycare. He loves his friends. He's so happy there. But still, I'm like, oh, is that the right thing? But then when I think about it, what are you going to do? Sit at home with me? Like, I'm not an early childhood educator. I So I think just like when you do have moments with your kids, like making it count. And we always try and have like special weekends and do special things and take them for ice cream and So that's just what I try and focus on. I love it. What's your favorite thing about being a mom? I love watching him, especially right now at his age, watching him develop his little personality. Mm. We prayed that he would take after my husband because my husband was very like (laughs) reserved and quiet and helpful. And I was the complete opposite. And it looks like he's taking after me. But yeah, and I think part of my training and my PhD was around attachment. And so I find it so adorable that my husband and I are his safe people. And like, you can just see that, you know, like how he interacts with us, if he's upset, like how he comes to us. And that just like makes my heart explode. Like it's, Mm. I love that. Slays, yeah, right then and there. That is the cutest and so, so true. Knowing that you are that, that little island of safety, that space of calm for them. Mm -hmm. I was talking to James last night. Uh, He was talking about getting married. He talks about this all the time. It's so crazy. He's five years old. And (laughs) the, like the logistics of it. So he's like, mom, when I'm lying beside his girlfriend. Also, you guys, like, we don't talk to him about girlfriend or marriage. Like, we didn't even know, are you going to be straight? Are you going to be gay? Like, what? whoever you want to be. He's got this girlfriend. He asked her to be his girlfriend. They're getting married. It's very consistent. This is the one. And he just wants to be certain that when they move to the new house that I'll be okay and also that I will sleep in the bed with them and just, like, planning through those logistics. (laughs) I mean, having these conversations... At the end of that bedtime routine, you know, where it's been a bit of a struggle and then you lie down with him and he's five, we still lie down with both of them to put them to sleep and like scratch their little backs until they Mm -hmm. fall asleep, which we swore we would never do. And here we are. Mm -hmm. But like, there's nothing more precious. And it's always just when you think you're going to break or like, you're so exhausted that they say those little things and just crack you wide open. And it's like, this is everything. Yeah. I know. They're so cute. Like every day I look at my husband and I'm like, I am obsessed with him. And he's like, I know. I'm like, no, like I am going to eat him. Like I want to eat him. (laughs) I know that feeling. It's so real. 
It's yeah. so real. It's like, it's just so crazy. As much as we talk about like all of the, those moments, the stresses, the like fears, the anxiety, the low moments, the exhaustion, mm-hmm. there's nothing better. What's your message to other mamas out there? Oh my gosh. My number one message, figure out what works best for you and your family and just be confident in those decisions. I love it. And what you're doing right now is working for you, but it's also working for all of us. So thank you for showing up in the way that you do and for just sharing so openly and honestly, keep rocking those amazing outfits that you wear for your grocery shopping and your daycare. If you want to know what I'm talking about, you're going to have to go over to her feed at the (laughs) mom room. Where can people find you if they want more? Yes. So I'm on Instagram and TikTok at the.mom.room. And then the podcast has its own Instagram account. It's at uh, the mom room podcast. And then obviously the mom room podcast is everywhere you can get podcasts. And I'm saying podcast over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make sure we link to that down below. Thank you again. It was so fun chatting with you. Thank you for having me. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.